Well, take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to John chapter 16 as we turn back to the passage that we looked at this morning. The Gospel of John in chapter 16, and I want you to follow along as I read from the English Standard Version beginning at verse 25 and uh, reading to the end of the chapter. So John 16, verse 25, where Jesus says, I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask in my name. And I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. Verse 29 says, And his disciples said, Ah, now now you are speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. Verse 31, Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone, yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. These words of Jesus that close out chapter 16 and verse uh, verse 33 especially, is very encouraging. I want to give some time to verse 33 tonight. But as we looked at these verses this morning, how encouraging these verses are, and the two promises that we see here of, of uh, Jesus has given to his disciples, and, and I noted this morning those promises are, are still applicable to disciples of Jesus Christ today, that, uh, that promise that that Jesus, through the work of the Holy Spirit, with the Word, would give revelation of truth, understanding of biblical truth as you take in the biblical truth. And then that other promise that, that, that even if you have little faith, you're still blessed by God. God honors and blesses even a small faith. I think we would all agree that we all want big faith. <laughs> we all want strong faith. But sometimes our faith is weak. And you can see it. You just heard it as I read about the disciples. Do you now believe is Jesus' statement. Interesting. Um, somewhat humorous in that it, it seemed like they were a bit pridefully saying, now we've got it all figured out, and <laughs> he challenges them. Are you sure? Do you now believe? Or, or, or wow, you, so you fully understand and believe now. Um, but yet he knew they were going to be scattered. He tells them. The, the time is coming. The hour is coming. Indeed, it has come, says verse 32, when you will be scattered. And then you're going to see what your faith is really like. And then you're going to shamefully admit, oh, my, my faith is weak. Um, we find ourselves there at times, don't we? And yet, Jesus says, there's still blessing for you, even if you have a little bit of faith. And so take that faith in Jesus Christ and let it grow in you and seek to seek to grow that faith in you. And then we come to this verse 33 and we close with this this morning and I want to come back to this. 
And um, I want to linger for a few moments over verse 33, or at least the, the seed thought that we pick up from verse 33 and we'll take elsewhere in the Scriptures. Jesus had taught and Jesus had encouraged and helped the disciples by answering their questions when they had them. And he finishes by saying in verse 33, I have said these things to you that, or so that, in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Peace is there. It's for you, disciples, says Jesus. And again, these words are applicable to followers of Jesus Christ today. And so Jesus, you, you can read these personally. I, I've said these things to you. You have God's word. Why? That in me, in Christ, you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, believers. Jesus has overcome the world. These are encouraging words, aren't they? Encouraging truths. I need peace. I, I need peace. Do you need peace? I'm pretty sure you do. I'm pretty certain you do. Jesus certainly says so, I think, of believers right here. In the world you will have what? Tribulation. That means you're going to need peace because you're going to be tried. There's going to be tribulation if you're a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. So yes, you and I are going to need peace. And since we're in need of this peace of which Jesus speaks, we ought to know something about it. Wouldn't you love to know all about the peace that's ours, that's promised to us? What does God's Word teach us about this peace? So just for a few minutes, I want you to think about this with me. First of all, I want you to consider with me how the Bible shows us the source of peace. We've seen it already. We've seen the source of peace. Where's the real starting point of peace? Is it in the world? Just watch the news and you'll find out that the starting point of peace is not in the world. Uh, there isn't a peace in the world, is there? Uh, we just heard Jesus say, too, that, that in the world you will have tribulation believers. So the source or the birthplace of peace isn't found in the world. We heard Jesus say this also back in John 14, verse 27. And we're getting to the source of peace here. Jesus says, John 14 and verse 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And so we're learning something there about the starting point or source of peace. Where does peace begin? What does the Bible say? The Bible says it begins with Jesus Christ. Peace I leave with you, says Jesus. My peace I give to you, says Jesus. And the implication here is that the source of peace is not the world. You're not going to find the peace that Jesus gives in the world apart from faith in Jesus Christ. The source of true peace is found only through faith in Jesus Christ and in Him alone. 
Elsewhere, we also hear in Colossians 1 and verse 20 that it's Jesus who made peace by the blood of his cross. He made peace possible. Why? Because without Jesus' shed blood on the cross, we are strangers and aliens to God. We are enemies against God. We need someone to step in and be our sacrifice, our, our replacement, the one who would take our sins on himself. That was Jesus. And he made peace by the blood of his cross, says Colossians 1.20. And then we hear this. If you want to turn to Ephesians 2 and look at these verses with me for a moment, I want you to hear these verses in Ephesians 2, verses 14 through 17. Thinking about the source of peace, Ephesians 2, verses 14 through 17. And it doesn't get any clearer than this. The first verse, verse 14. For He Himself, Jesus Christ, is our peace. For He Himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. He's talking, there's a lot going on here, but he's talking about the tension there is with those who are unbelievers, those who are sinners and strangers and aliens to God. They are not believers in Jesus And there was a time when we were not, and this is us, and Jesus so making peace. Verse 16, and might reconcile us, this is Jesus, reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. Back to verse 14, for he himself is our peace. So what can be seen from this passage in the Scriptures, and there's a lot going on here that we could talk about, but one of the things we see here is that the starting point or source of peace is Jesus Christ. And and the way to access that peace we're going to talk about. And we'd be foolish to think that we can find it in any other way than beginning by look, with, with looking to Jesus in faith. And when we begin with Jesus, we can rejoice over the truth of, the, of that peace that's a gift of Jesus. It's His peace He's giving to us as we put our faith and trust in Him. It's His gift to us. And it's one for all times. It's not a temporary peace. He doesn't promise a little bit of peace here and a little bit of peace there. He promises that, that His His followers can live in peace and and know that peace, even though there's going to be tribulation in this world for believers. It seems difficult, doesn't it? How how does that happen? How does God do that? It's, It's a miracle, isn't it? That God puts us in a place to have His peace and to know His peace personally, even though we face tribulation if we're faithful followers of Christ. Listen to 2 Thessalonians 3.16. Now may the Lord of peace Himself give you peace at all times, in every way. The Lord be with you all. 
You need to hear that again. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at when? At all times in in what ways? Every way. The Lord be with you all. Believers, the Lord the Lord's with you. His spirit is in you. He wants you to know his peace even though you face difficulties and hardships, persecution for your faith. So that's the source of peace. The starting point of peace is Jesus. It's His peace. It's His gift to His his followers, those who believe in Him. So put your faith in Jesus Christ is the implication, right? So believe in Jesus. The starting point of peace is Jesus. So put your faith in Jesus Christ and in Him alone. Stop trusting in what the world promises you. Start trusting in what Jesus promises you. Now, how are we able to access peace? What's, or we might say, what's the path of peace? So we've learned already about the source of peace. That's Jesus. So according to the Bible, the path of peace or the way of peace must be found through faith in Jesus. So the way to experience peace, the path of peace, is by living by faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, says Romans 5, verses 1 and 2, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, that's believers in Jesus Christ are justified by faith, we have peace with God. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we also we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. The way to experience peace. The path of peace is by living by faith in Jesus Christ. That's not a one-and-done transaction. Yes, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, when you profess your faith in Jesus Christ, I believe in Jesus, you said at one point in your life, whether you said it out loud or not, is not the point. At some point in your heart, you, you, you believed in Jesus and you trusted in Him to save you from your sins, He saves you. Faith began. He keeps you. You're His. He's never going to let you go. But faith keeps growing. You need to keep seeking to grow your faith. So that gift of faith at the beginning is not a, 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 a got all the faith I need right at the beginning. You need to keep growing and seeking to grow your faith. So the way to experience peace, the path of peace, is by living by faith in Jesus Christ. That has to happen every day. Every day. For believers in Jesus Christ who are faced with all kinds of challenges and difficulties in this world, we need to look to Jesus every day. Since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. We need to keep looking to Jesus the one who gives us his peace. So there's no peace for people who say, well, um, I believe in God, but I don't need Jesus, and I don't need the church, and I don't need the Bible, but I believe in God. That's enough. I, that's my opinion. I'll be okay. And to people like that, we need to learn how to graciously say, that's not what the Bible says. 
That's not what the Bible says. You can't, you can't know God unless you agree with what the Bible says about God. And they say, well, I just don't see a need for a Savior. I'm not that bad. I'm not as bad as, fill in the blank, my neighbor or the guy in the news or whatever. There is no peace for people who say, I don't need God's way of doing things. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do whatever I want, when I want, how I want. I'll find peace in this world as I pursue happiness and joy and contentment through the liberty that I have as a human being on planet Earth. I can do whatever I want. Well, we all know that that's not true because there are speed limits, the most basic of laws, right, that we deal with, and there are all kinds of things beyond that. There are rules, and yeah, most of us have employers, right? We have a boss who tells us what to do on Monday, you know, and holds us accountable through the week. So uh, you might think you can just live any way you can, uh, you want, but you can't. And according to God's economy, when you read the Scriptures, you find out He is going to withhold blessing from you if you don't honor Him in obedience to His Word. There is only peace for people who've been justified by faith through Jesus Christ. Only then do you have the promise of peace, the gift of peace. And that peace is with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we just read in the Scriptures. But once you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you can still live without peace. And many of us can testify to this. There may have been a time we trusted in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and we experienced His peace. And then there was a time when we drifted away from that peace. It wasn't Him who drifted away from us with His peace. It's, it's us who drifted away from His peace. It's possible to live without the peace that He promises if, if we don't live in a way that pleases Him and honors Him and is obedient to Him. We heard Jesus say in our passage today that the the world can't take your peace away. So we can be thankful for that, that the world can't take a believer's peace away. Uh, John 16, 33, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. The world cannot take your peace, in other words, because I'm more powerful than than, uh, Satan the ruler of darkness, the prince of darkness, the father of lies. I'm more powerful. I'm in control. I'm at work. Take heart. I have overcome the world, says Jesus. Jesus has overcome the darkness of this world that robs unbelievers of peace. You are surrounded by, and I'm surrounded by, people in this world who are pursuing peace. They may not say it that way, but they're looking for happiness. They're looking for joy. They're looking for contentment. They're looking for satisfaction. And the next thing that they think that will get it for them. And they achieve it. And they don't find it there. And so they need something more. And they, and they get there and they don't find it. We have, through faith in Jesus Christ, the source of peace. So we have the source of peace. And we have the path of peace revealed in the Bible. So next, where do we live where should we be living this, our lives? And I'm not talking geographically. I'm talking spiritually. Where do we live if we're going to find the peace that Jesus gives us, the, the place of peace? Where or how should I seek to live my life if I'm to have peace and not end up giving it up or shortchanging myself by not enjoying it, taking advantage of it, giving it away? 
Where's the place of peace? The Bible shows us that the place of peace is obedience. And we, it seems we always come back to this, doesn't it? But we have to. To know the peace that's promised us, we have to find ourselves in this place of obedience. We have to put ourselves in this place of obedience. The Bible shows us that the place of peace is obedience. In the familiar words of Luke 2 and verse 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. But it doesn't stop there. Among those with whom he is pleased. Peace among those with whom God is pleased. Here's the promise of peace, and it's for people with whom God is pleased. Who's that? God is pleased with His children when they are obedient to His promises, to His Word. And obedience begins with salvation, with faith, but it continues as we live by faith. Again, day by day, taking up the word of truth, the wisdom of God's word, and seeking to put into action our faith as we seek to live for God every day. And when we're living in obedience to the commands and teachings of God's word, God is pleased. Guess what? A parent is not pleased of when, when, they, have a, when they have a child who's been given instructions and they go off and do their own thing for an hour instead of following the instructions they begin, they've been given. Is a parent pleased with that? I was never pleased with that. You shouldn't be pleased with that, right? God isn't pleased with that. God isn't pleased when we are given His His instructions and we say, that's fine and good, but I don't have time to read the Bible. And I really think I can do all right without it. And I want to do my own thing anyway. God is not pleased with that. And there will be no peace for that person who doesn't find themselves in a place of obedience. Listen to Psalm 85, verses 8 through 11. Psalm 85, verses 8 through 11. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak. For He will speak peace to His people, to His saints. But let them not turn back to folly. Do you hear that? God's Word reminding us God is all about speaking peace to His people, to His saints. But let them not turn back to folly. Don't turn back to disobedience. Verse 9, Surely His salvation is near to those who fear Him, that that glory may dwell in our land. Surely, says verse 9, His salvation is near. Surely His blessing is near. Surely his, His joy is near when He is pleased with our obedience when we're faithful to Him. Verse 10, Steadfast love and faithfulness meet. Righteousness and peace kiss each other, says verse 10. Righteousness and peace. Honor God. Be obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. Be obedient to God's Word. And God showers His peace on you and lets you know how to experience peace in this life even though you aren't exempt from problems. Faithfulness, verse 11, faithfulness springs up from the ground and righteousness looks down from the sky. So the believer who obeys has the promise of ongoing peace. 
The place of peace is found in obedience to God's word. And you have the promise of ongoing peace if you'll, if you'll make sure that you're living there. It says verse 10, steadfast love and faithfulness meet righteousness and peace kiss each other. But you can give that peace away by living in willful disobedience to God. If you live in ongoing disobedience, it's not a, it's not, a, I mean, we're all still sinners and we're all still sinning and we're all still dealing with trying to grow in Christ to the point where we're asking God, God, please give me the desire to stop doing those things that displease you and the desire to do the things that please you. Help me not to be tempted to do the things I should not do. Help me to be drawn to the things that I should do that honor you. But if you live in willful, that's ongoing disobedience where you refuse to repent and and refuse to do work with that temptation and work with that sin that you deal with, you're going to find yourself searching for peace and not finding it. And often, when that happens, you end up turning to the world for that peace and not finding it. So the place of peace is obedience. The place of peace is obedience. Now, let's consider God's purpose of peace in the believer's life. What is the purpose? Why does God want us to have peace? Why does He want to give us His peace? What is the purpose for which God intends to use this peace in the lives of His children? And I'll give you two ideas here. First of all, God's purpose for peace is to guard His children. He wants you to be guarded from temptation to sin, guarded from lack of faith, guarded from from walking in disobedience. God's purpose for peace is to guard His children, to give them protection. Philippians 4.7 says this, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God does that. That's a promise of a miraculous work in our lives when we seek to honor God with our obedience and enjoy His peace. This is the joy of obedience. For believers in Jesus, this is the joy of obedience. And there is great joy in honoring God's Word and obeying His Word. That joy is fleshed out in the peace that we experience. When we follow God's word faithfully, that's obedience. We're given the peace of God that in any circumstance guards our hearts and minds from disbelief, guards our hearts and minds from doubt, guards our hearts and minds from discouragement, unfaithfulness to God, temptation. So God's purpose, the first part of God's purpose is peace. Uh, His purpose for peace is to guard His children. And then another purpose for the peace of Christ in God's children is to equip them. He wants us to be fully equipped with just what we need. Hebrews 13, verses 20 and 21, Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, note the power of God in that statement, the power of God, Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead the Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, he's a loving God, by the blood of his eternal covenant, he made a way for us to be forgiven 
equip you with everything good that you may do His will, working in us that which is pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Purpose of peace, which is the peace of Jesus that He wants to give to His children, is to equip us. He wants us to be fully equipped with just what we need to live this life here and now, right where He put us, right where we are today. And so God's peace is ours to equip us for everything good that He wants to accomplish through us. God's peace is ours to equip us that we may be God's faithful and obedient children doing His will as He works in us what is pleasing in His sight. And did you note that that is all for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ forever and ever? That Jesus Christ might be glorified. What does that mean? That the, that, well, for here and now, that, that unbelievers would see clearly that we're being changed by God as we seek to obey Him and honor Him. And we point to Jesus Christ as the one who saved us from ourselves, saved us from our sins. And yet, for all of eternity, Jesus is going to get the glory. So for whom is peace promised? Is it for the world? Is it for unbelievers? No, it's not. Peace is only for believers in Jesus Christ. Uh, where, where may the believer find peace? In the world? It's not out there in the world for us. It's in faith in Jesus Christ, in obedience to His Word. Faith in Jesus Christ alone. It's not in the world. In the world you will have trouble, says Jesus. But you will find peace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. And there's a, a hymn that we sing occasionally. It's a newer one. I want you to hear these words. It's just like what we hear in this hymn. It's, a, it's that song, In Christ Alone. We've sung it a few times. In Christ alone, my hope is found only in Christ. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are stilled, when strivings cease. My comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. Praise God for the peace that's ours through faith in Jesus Christ. May we know it personally as we seek to honor God with our lives. May we know it personally.